You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we're going to be discussing another one of the youth education programs that are available these days. But this episode and how it came about is particularly unique and I think inspiring. Now, I'll tell you more about that as we get into this. But for now, let me just let me just orient us to by saying that today we're going to be discussing the Texas Brigades and more specifically the Texas Waterfowl Brigades. Joining me to discuss this topic is Michael Petters and Brenna Malley, both from Texas. Uh, Mike, let me welcome you in first. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Mike. Uh, glad to be here. Really excited about uh, telling our story. And Brenna Malley uh, fr- from San Antonio, Texas. You too. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So we are going to be talking about the Texas Brigades today, which is a, a, a youth education program for natural resource conservation, training the next generation of our stewards of our resources. I want to start here by giving each of our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves, what they do, and then how this episode came about, I'm going to get into a little bit later on. But let me just start with Mike. Uh, Mike Patters, uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Um, thanks a bunch, Mike. Uh, and thanks, Brenna, for, for helping get this going. I think this is a great idea. Uh, my name is Mike Petter. I have a company in Pleasanton, Texas. It does natural resource management consulting uh, land management activities, various uh, habitat practices we do for landowners, and uh, that that's been my business since uh, uh, since my days out of out of college and in the early work world. I'm one of the old guys in this in this organization, so it's been it's been a long uh, a long run for me. I've really enjoyed my experiences with Texas Brigades through the various uh, iconic species that Texas Brigades represents in its camp. So um, I've I've been fortunate enough to to be able to meet people like Brenna over the years and and see them develop and this is what this is what really keeps me going. So Brenna, take a few minutes to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And what's your association, just kind of generally with the Texas Brigades? Hi, I'm Brenna Malley. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I'm 17 years old, and this year was my first year and experience with Texas Brigades. Um, I was introduced through it through um, actually an instructor at the Coastal Brigade. His name was Michael Shear. He told me about the camp and the program. He thought it was something I'd be really interested in. And um, so I did. I ended up signing up and I went to the Waterfowl Brigade earlier in July and I had the time of my life. I loved it. It was amazing. And so now I'll tell our audience a little about how this episode came about, how it how it came to be that we are here having this conversation about the Texas Brigades and the Waterfowl Brigades. And in, in particular, Brenna's experience, we're going to hear more about that 
later on. I received an email a, f- a few weeks ago. Actually, it was an email sent to our podcast producer, and it was from Brenna. And she made us aware that she had recently completed the Waterfowl Brigade's uh, course. And one of the things that she was working on uh, is something called a book of accomplishments. And she will tell us more about this as we get into it. But it part of that, one of the things that she can do or may be required to do through that is to talk about, is to develop a project and then talk about that project with someone through some audience, kind of helping to spread the message behind the particular natural resource project or presentation that, that she developed, whatever topic she picked. And so, Brenna, your topic was on um, waterfowl habitat management, basically, as a general description here. And you reached out to us asking if you could come on the Ducks Unlimited podcast to use this as your forum or as the, the medium that you would use to talk about your your project. And so just super excited that you would, A, you know, know about the Ducks Unlimited podcast and that you would... Uh, be be interested enough to want to uh, come on and, and share your story with it. So that is really cool, really inspiring, and uh, and I'm, I'm excited to hear what you're what what you have to say. So thanks for reaching out and making this happen. Thank you. We'll come back to you in a minute, Brenna, to hear about your experience and the project that you developed, and let you tell us all about that. And but first, I want to go to Mike and have him tell us a little about the Texas Brigades. Having worked in coastal Louisiana for a number of years, I I, I worked with and alongside many of uh, probably your friends and sort of colleagues in Texas. A lot of them work for Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and some of them are associated with the Texas Brigades. I think they volunteer their their time as instructors. And so I had heard about the Texas Brigades and always heard rave reviews of it, but this sort of takes it to a new level, sort of recognizing the way it can inspire people and train people uh, to, you know, and, and, the, and the type of people that you're attracting through this. So Mike, just introduce, introduce us to the Texas Brigades. How long has it been around? What is it? What else do we need to know about it? There is so much to tell you here. I know that we've got a limitation, but let me tell you, Texas Brigades is main goal. Our, our, I think our big vision is to develop conservation leaders in every community. That's part of our keystone uh, as we have developed over the years. We've seen so many uh, high school age kids come through this program that it's the type of thing, as I mentioned earlier, you just once you're involved with it, it's so hard to get get away from it. Um, it's 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 enlightening to see young people learn and want to be uh, good conservationists. So that has been our our goal. The the, the organization is a 501c3 uh, with our headquarters. Our headquarters is in New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, we um, empower these young people to. To, uh, with leadership skills and with the knowledge basis they need in wildlife fisheries with land stewardship. Uh, we're trying to, to build a conservation ethic in this generation, and it is working. The camps are all, there are eight of them. There will be nine next year. We're starting another one again. Uh, Waterfowl Brigade, by the way, is a restart. Uh, this past summer, Brenna, you were fortunate to be in the first restart of Waterfowl Brigade. Um, the the five different or the eight different programs are each five days per camp, and they are based on some similar principles amongst each camp. However, they're all based on different iconic species for the most part. Two of the camps are are upland and bobwhite quail oriented. Two of them are uh, white-tailed deer oriented camps. 
Uh, we have a camp that focuses, a uh, fast brigade focuses on inland pond management. Uh, we have a camp at uh, the Coastal Brigade, which Brenna uh, mentioned, uh, that focuses on inshore uh, management, uh, habitat management. Um, and then there's a, a ranch brigade that focuses on how the interface between uh, wildlife and, and uh, the livestock industry works. And then the waterfowl brigade focuses on, of course, waterfowl, shorebirds, and wading birds. Uh, and and that's, that's a new addition, too, since we restarted this camp uh, at adding shorebirds and wading birds because they're all part of the same ecosystem. Uh, that's, that's the individual efforts of each camp. And then they all tie together with the conservation ethic, because as you know, a drop of water may fall in the high plains. It's going to end up in the Gulf of Mexico or in some ocean, uh, adjacent to our, you know, our country. And that, that's important that that water droplet makes it to the places it needs to be for the beneficial use of people and, and wildlife. So that's, uh, that's how, that that's kind of the effort and how how the general uh, emphasis of the camp would work. Um, these camps are, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they're targeted towards uh, ages 13 to 17, which basically uh, refers to high school age students. Uh, they pay a small fee to come to the camp, but at this camp, uh, very highly supported by organizations like Ducks Unlimited and other and many others. Uh, th- th- these camps provide all the resources that the kids will need, a, a place to, ha- to to learn. We, we try to get them outside. None of them are in a city. Uh, they're all outdoors, and we have field and classroom opportunities throughout those five days. All their meals and lodging and safety needs are taken care of. Uh, we, we, think of we think this stuff out way ahead of time. And, and the, the team of uh, volunteers that you mentioned, for instance, our waterfowl brigade, uh, those uh, quite a few agency folks from Parks and Wildlife because there's a, a ton of uh, there are a ton of uh, expertise people with expertise in that organization. Not to mention other organizations as well. Uh, we fall back on on uh, the uh, private industry natural resources conservation service. We've got folks in extension that help, and and everybody's pretty much a volunteer. And we'll look at it that way uh, as volunteers. Everybody has something that they offer and. We find those strong points in the in a committee and a team. We put a curriculum together that that meets the needs of Texas Brigades, the overarching organization uh, that helps us work through conservation, uh, the conservation ethic. And uh, as as we go, you could you could almost you, you can feel Texas Brigades in each camp, even though they're so separately organized and with different committees. Uh, there's a constant there. That, that really brings everything back together. Uh, so, and that's why I was very surprised to hear that Brenna had only been to Waterfowl Brigade. Uh, she, she came with a, a good ethic to start with, obviously. There are also in Texas Brigade's uh, organization, we have a little bit step up, a step of a step up uh, program called WILD, which uh, is an acronym for Wildlife Intensive Leadership Development. That takes uh, kids that have been in a program in, in one of the camps uh, takes him to uh, uh, a little bit of an advanced leadership program uh, where we get them a little bit deeper involved in policies and procedures, um, a little bit more uh, research and data uh, uh, learning and then career building, some more leadership and professionalism. Uh, you know, so we teach them how to eat in a, in a seated dinner. Guess what? They don't all know that. And 
you know, every one of us needs to learn, you know, what does that left-hand fork mean and, and how, why is a place setting set like that? You're going to sit down with a legislator one day and you're going to be expected to, you know, keep your hands out of your face. So that uh, little program is, is targeted at, at the kids that are out of high school. Uh, so it's a little bit, little bit different uh, setup. Um, and then we also host what's called three-day programs that are called experiences, brigades experiences. And the engagement there is to try to bring more young people into the scenario. And, you know, the 9 to 17 age, and every one of them has a very – they're a one-day program. And they just kind of focus on putting volunteers with, uh, with these young people to, to give them a little bit of a taste of what's going on out there in that particular region. For instance, with Waterfowl Brigade, we will begin planning a brigade experience somewhere on the prairie west of Houston. That's kind of our intention. Uh, as to, as, and that could also be an adult program. We would we'd love adults to, to get involved in that from a, a participation perspective uh, because, you know, they're the ones that own the land. They make the decisions. And uh, it's, it's good to have that, that pressure of those kids out there. I'm going to tell you, young people can motivate older people. And, and I think our world works better that way sometimes because you know somebody's looking and it's somebody that is counting on you to tell them the right thing to do. So that's a that is a, an effort of the experience. Real quick history on uh, on 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 Texas Brigades. Uh, it was started uh, back in 1993 uh, with an extension uh, uh, now retired wildlife specialist, Dr. Dale Rollins, who is a pretty famous quail guy. Everybody probably has heard his name. And that one camp was a, a Bob White Brigade. It started in the in the Rolling Plains of Texas. And from that point, uh, these eight camps have developed. And not to mention, we have shared the uh, format, the, basically the, the template for brigades into Pennsylvania, Missouri, uh, Florida, Louisiana. So there are, there are quite a few other um, similar model, similarly modeled camps out in the country. And we're, we're, we're excited to do that again. It doesn't cost anybody anything to, to pass that word along. One of my goals in, in Waterfowl, in the Waterfowl Brigade, is to try to uh, develop it in the flyway. Get it out of Texas and just move it up by flyway. Let's see if we can't uh, build on the vision and, and try to encourage young people up the flyway to get involved in something like this. Waterfowl, do not, they don't understand political boundaries. Right. Uh, so, and good land management is done across political boundaries. We need to develop that. So, Mike, you mentioned that this that the Texas Brigades has been around since 1993. I one of the things that that I want to do is is direct our audience to your website. If people want to learn more about this, that maybe we're not able to cover on the conversation today, they can go to texasbrigades.org. And there's all sorts of information. They're talking about these camps and and what your what your mission is uh, and how people can learn more about them. And one of the things that that does jump out at me. Of course, this is a nonprofit organization. You have an executive director, that's Natalie Wolf, and you have a board of directors. And I see that you are a, I can't remember if you said this, you're a, a, a past president. And I, having, working for a nonprofit myself, I know that none of this happens without volunteers. 
And, and I suspect you're going to have a long list of volunteers that are associated with this. Uh, so talk about that in terms of your instructors, the people that help pull this together, how that has developed over the years. What's the importance of the volunteers and the other people that contribute to this? This, this has not happened without a number of, of uh, volunteers, starting with that board as an example. You know, somebody's got to have the, the leadership at the top to, to, to keep us in line, so to speak, and develop it as it goes. But each camp is singly organized. The Waterfowl Brigade is our example. This is obviously a Ducks Unlimited program, and, I'll, and that's my, the camp that I'm the coordinator of currently. Waterfowl Brigade was brought together with volunteers from that have expertise, People that know each other, people who say, hey, I've heard of this guy. Can you bring him in? You know, we, we lean on each other and we go find those folks that can help further the, the, the value of this education. Um, we also have to have a home. And one of the hardest things to find is a facility that, that can host it and one is willing to host it. And if, if you want, I'll, I'd love to mention our facility because... Uh, it is a it, it, it's it's a huge gift to us to have had Pintail Hunting Club basically offer the use of the camp and, and their their hunting lodge. Uh, not only that, his chef and and food staff prepared our food, which is unlike any other camp. Uh, Brenda, you probably ate things you've never seen before. I think I did. Um, so you know th- this is that's a huge part of this. And Lance Stonsick with Pintail Hunting Club stepped up and said. I'm in. I'll do this. And at no cost is put that forth. So that helps us keep our costs in line as a nonprofit. And, and people like that are able to, to do things that they feel like uh, need to happen uh, with, with uh, conservation education. Uh, the volunteers that we have are, are, are very knowledgeable. Some of them are biologists. Some of them are not. There are pure rangeland people. There are people who know water quality. There are people who know about dog training, uh, you, you name it. We've got the gamut, and we want it to be that way. We also do some shooting, so we we make sure we have that covered with with a range a range boss that's got a certification to handle that, and not only teach them uh, about shooting and safety, gun safety, but also uh, make it fun. And and I would I'd love to hear what Brenda's take is going to be on that coming up. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's so important to know that the, the volunteers have done their job with people like her to uh, make this camp not only valuable but fun. Yeah, a couple more questions for you, Mike, and then then we'll go to Brenna for her experiences, and we'll we'll uh, ask her to to share her thoughts on uh, on the hunt training, the shooting training. Uh, once we get to that, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned that you get participation from a lot of the, um, from a lot of different organizations, agencies, private landowners. Does Ducks Unlimited has some, uh, has some biologists that have participated, have helped, uh, helped with the brigades in the past, correct? Oh yeah. Our, you, you put forth, uh, several biologists, uh, from the, the Texas office. Uh, they, they're in our leadership committee and they're also instructors. Uh, of course the, the DU biologists here have a really good rapport with the parks and wildlife biologists, and and so that that connection of knowing, hey, I know a guy. That's that's easily found inside that structure between Ducks Unlimited guys and uh, uh, the parks and wildlife biologists. It's been a valuable tool for us. It they've also been real instrumental in putting forth ideas for landowners that we may contact, and that's that's really where our 
our idea came from there's there is there are some ducks unlimited projects on this particular property that we're we're using and that connection is part of the the du connection that uh, that brought uh, Pintail Hunting Club into the into the fold here. So the EU biologists have been real valuable for us. And then final question here, Mike, how many students go through the Texas Brigades on an average year? And then how many do you think that you've had over the life of the uh, of the Texas Brigades existence? Well, if you just count the camps, uh, each camp can host about 25 times eight camps. So we've got, we've got that group of, of a couple hundred, but over 4,000 have have gone through these programs um, in in history, so to speak. So we we know they're educated uh, young cadets who've been inspired by by uh, these eight different camps, and we are confident that those kids come from somewhere over a thousand communities. Uh, so it, the the outreach that, for instance, Brenda will be doing is is working you know it's, it's a tentacle she's she's out there talking to people and so it's not about the camp so much it's about natural resource conservation it's about good ethics and hunting it's a good it's just a, it's, it's all the topics that we cover those four thousand cadets are still out there talking and and i can tell you that i know lawyers who have been to do the through the camps i know people who are in this industry as land managers as biologists with the agency as with Ducks Unlimited, uh, Taylor Absher was a product of one of the early camps, and uh, he's about DU biologist in Richmond, in Texas, and uh, he's he's been through the Wild program. Uh, he, he he's a model. He's one of those guys that you look at and say, "Man, I'm glad I had a part in helping him." come through this program. I had no idea that Taylor had, had come through the, the program. It doesn't surprise me. I, I know mm-hmm. Taylor well and worked with him. And, and so exactly as you said, he's a, he's an exemplary biologist and, and it is pretty cool that he is now giving back. He is serving, I think, as one of the instructors there oh, helping yeah. out with the, with the Texas Brigade. So that's really cool. And so obviously Texas is a state that is rich in fish and wildlife resources and also ranching lands and working lands of all sorts. And all of those types of things have to kind of work together to support our fish and wildlife populations as we go forward. And and I think it's fantastic what y'all are doing with all of these uh, these programs, uh, not just the, you know, not just the, the brigades during the, the summer, the summer camps that you've talked about, but also these other additional leadership training opportunities. And so, uh, so Mike, thank you for all the work that you've done with this program. You're welcome. Thank you. I, I think I'll be calling on you to uh, maybe come down to a camp and help out somehow. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love that. <laughs> You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Let's now turn to the, I guess, the star of the show here. Uh, Brenda, you're the reason we're doing this. And, and again, I can't emphasize enough how exciting it was to have gotten that, uh, gotten that email from, uh, from someone of your age and recognizing the, the, the passion that must, must be a, attached to that and wanting to do this. So let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. You spoke at the, at the beginning about how you first came to came to know of the Texas Brigades, but you shared with me on the phone a little more of that study of th- that person that introduced you to it has 
means a fair bit to you. So tell us a little bit more about how you got introduced to the Texas Brigades, and and let's just go from there. So it started off, I was taking these um, event fright classes for fishing through um, Fishing's Future, which is an organization in Texas, and they're all about, you know, helping families, and they're all about conservation, water conservation, fish conservation, and one of the instructors through the classes, his name was Michael Shear, and I kept coming back to the classes repeatedly because they they held a bunch of them. And eventually we just got to talking and I told him how I was really into conservation and hunting and fishing. And he is an instructor at the Coastal Brigade. So he told me about Texas Brigade's organization, what they do, how they're helping in conservation and natural resources. And he told me, I think you should sign up. Um, I think you would be a great candidate. And I was so excited. And that was in, oh gosh, September of 2020. So it was last year. And so I signed up right away as soon as the deadlines opened for applications. And I was super excited that I was able to get into a camp and be able to attend. So where did you have to go for that camp? It was the Waterfowl Brigades, right? Where did they? Yes, sir. Well, that's right. That, uh, Mike was just telling us that was there on the coast of Texas, right? Yes, sir. And so the Waterfowl Brigade, that was out in Garwood. And it was at this beautiful hunting lodge. And oh my gosh, it was it was amazing. The lodge was just top of the line. Um, it had a whole like wetland habitat that they created surrounding the lodge. So it was almost like going down where you would usually go duck hunting. You know, it was like being in the marsh. It was super amazing and it was man-made. So it was super cool to see how they created this environment for these waterfowl to be able to come to. So Brenna, what in your background has kind of made you appreciate natural resources and given you such a strong interest in conservation. What's, where does that motivation come from? Where does that interest come from? Um, so it comes from a man and his name is Blake Rising. Uh, he hunts, he serves as a hunting guide through this hunting business called the Drake Plantation. And my dad has been hunting with them for over 20 years. And my dad used to take me duck hunting with him when I was little. I started out at six years old um, and I've only ever hunted with Blake. Um, He was like the children's hunting guide. But even as I grew up, I always stayed with him and he gave me such a love for not only hunting, but waterfowl and being out in the marsh and conservation. Um, Whenever we were in the blind, if we weren't shooting, he was constantly teaching me about waterfowl, how to spot them, what to look for, what goes in a wetland habitat. Um, He talked to me about why conservation is important and why ethical hunting is important. And he just gave me such a love and passion for what I'm trying to do. And I really, I owe it all to him because he's been so supportive of me on my journey of trying to reach out. And, you know, he tries so hard to network me and help me get out there. Well, we need more people like Blake to introduce more young people like yourself to conservation and its importance um, for our future. That's pretty amazing. You obviously had a strong interest in waterfowl and wetlands because of those those experiences. When you began looking into the Texas Brigades, did you consider any of the other programs or were you dead set? I know I'm going to go to the waterfowl brigades. At first, I 
signed up for Coastal Brigade because that was the one uh, Michael Shear was in. And he told me, I think you should sign up for that one. But when you when you go on and you're submitting your application for a brigade camp, you can have like a top three, top three picks of the camps. So my first was Coastal. My second was Waterfowl. And then my third was, um, I think it was the Bass one. So even though I didn't get into Coastal, I was super excited to get into Waterfowl um, because, you know, I'm a duck hunter. I've hunted ducks my whole life. So I was still thrilled that I was able to get into Waterfowl Brigade. So that's a great segue to my next question. You have been a hunter for many years, but you also participated in the hunting component of the brigades. Is that right? Not so much. They did teach us about hunting. It was more, it was less about hunting and more focusing on conservation and preservation of um, both land and animals. So it was a lot about yeah, it's really nice to go out and kill ducks, but it's more important to conserve the habitats and the resources. So that way, you know, in 50 years, we still have these resources around. So the ducks are still coming here. So what were some of your favorite parts of that five-day course of the of the waterfowl brigades? It's really hard to just choose a couple. I, as soon as I got there, I was just in love. I'd have to say definitely one of my favorites was um, Taylor Abshire, as you've mentioned. He was like our land and habitat management instructor. And I think one of my favorite parts was we got to, you know, talk back and forth a lot about different types of land management for wetlands. And those were some of my favorite conversations at camp. And my favorite part really was the getting to discuss everything with the instructors. Each instructor took so much time with me to answer all my questions and explain. And I think that was one of my favorites was I got to go and have such in-depth conversations with these people and learn so much. It was an amazing, amazing experience. When you uh, when you enrolled, did you uh, did you do uh, do so alongside other friends of yours, or did you end up being the only? Did you know anybody else when you got there? No, I did not. Um, None of my, I told some of my other friends about it, like, oh yeah, I've entered in this uh, camp called Texas Brigades. And some of my friends were into it. Um, Others, not so much. But when I got to camp, I didn't know anybody. Um, Well, actually, no, that's not true. We had um, a man come and give a duck calling demonstration. And his name was Tim Soderkist. And he's actually hunted with the Drake Plantation before. So I knew him, but otherwise I didn't know anyone else. So let's transition now to talk about what's what's next for you within within the brigades. You, I mentioned earlier that you're working on your book of accomplishments. Tell us more about what that is. What is it leading to? And and so what's the what are the next steps involved in that? So your book of accomplishments is presented to you at the end of camp when you graduate as a cadet. And basically what it is, is it's a list of activities you can do. And each activity is worth so many points. And they have a bunch of different ones. You know, um, some of it is outreach, like like this, going out and giving presentations. Some of it is volunteering within a wildlife or conservation organization, you know, attending conservation meetings, you know, um, creating 
projects. So they give this to you. And what you do is at the end of camp, you know, you get your list and you start basically planning the types of activities you want to do. And you have a deadline that's in March. So you have um, a couple months, you know, you've got a good chunk of time to go out and accomplish all these activities. And what you're doing is your BOA is the purpose of to promote Texas Brigades and also the projects you created and what you learned while you were at camp, the importance of conservation and land management. It's all about, you know, reaching out and outreach and teaching others, you know, and then obviously going to meetings and learning more yourself. So it's all about just improving your knowledge as you're away from camp, but also teaching others the importance of what you learned. After your deadline, you know, you submit your BOA at the deadline and then it's given for review by the board at Texas Brigades. And they basically, they're looking at the quantity of projects you did, but also the quality, you know, was it good? Were you really reaching out? Did you really affect an audience? And then um, at the end, after they've reviewed everyone's BOAs, you can be invited back next year as an assistant leader at camp. And then they also have, you can receive college scholarships through these BOAs. You can also, they have like hunting opportunities. You can win hunting trips. So it's a really, it's a really cool way to encourage a cadet to come back. At least one part of that book of accomplishments, I think you mentioned this, was the development of a couple of projects. I think this is the way you described them to me, where you go out and you talk, you pick a couple of topics and then you developed a, a message, a conservation message around those. Am I describing that about right? Yes, sir. And so what were your projects? That's one of the things that we wanted to wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about because this is sort of an opportunity for you to help meet some of the requirements for that book of accomplishments. So what were the topics that you selected? And so tell us about those. I I honestly, I have four or five. I couldn't really decide on a topic. So I decided to just do a bunch. Um, The first one I created was like the importance of waterfowl ID, you know, because everyone knows how you have a hunting mishap every once in a while where it's teal season and you accidentally shoot a spoonbill or mallard or something. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, that's important. We we actually had some, a couple of podcast episodes about waterfowl ID. So absolutely. I know the importance of that. Yeah. So that was one of them. Um, My My second one I created was about wetland conservation, the threats to wetlands, what's happening to them right now, um, ways you can help to manage them because there's actually a lot of easy choices you can do to help manage a wetland, you know, and why it's important, why we need them. And then my third one was on uh, beneficial waterfowl plants. And what happens is when you make a wetland, you know, you, when you're creating this habitat, you obviously are choosing also the type of plants that are going to be put in this habitat. And mine is all about um, when you're creating a wetland, what are the types of plants you want to put in this habitat that are beneficial to waterfowl? You know, um, some that are good for nesting coverage, um, some that, you know, provide good cover in general from the elements or maybe predators, um, good um food, you know, because a lot of these plants are actually easy to plant. They're not invasive um, and they're super easy. They're, you know, they don't require a lot of care and they provide a great food resource for waterfowl as well. And then my last one is on um, Texas game wardens and kind of what they are and why they're important. Um, I know as a kid before Blake really taught me the importance of 
our Texas game wardens, I usually heard, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you better watch out. You don't want the warden to come get you. You know, it was always kind of painting the wardens in a negative viewpoint. But Blake really taught me why they're important and why we should appreciate them. And so that project is really why they are important to our community, how they not only protect people, but our natural resources and our environment and our animals as well. Those are all awesome choices. And so kudos to you for that. Thank you. Uh, I think the one that you shared with me was the one about managing beneficial waterfowl plants. And I thought you did a an outstanding job with this. You talked about the different types of plants that are that are valuable, why they're valuable. Um, you've talked about uh, whether they need to be planted or how you can com- combine plantings with with uh, manipulation of the habitat itself to kind of use natural succession to maintain the health and vigor of some of those plant community- communities. Did they teach you all of that during the five-week, uh, five-day course, or did you already kind of have some understanding, or is it some combination of prior understanding, learning at the Texas Brigade's course, and then some follow-up study? Uh, So it was a combination. Blake had taught me a lot about, you know, water conservation. And, you know, he always taught me about like rice fields and peanuts. And he taught me a lot about food resources for um, waterfowl. And when I went to camp, we had a Texas Parks and Wildlife biologist named Owen Best who was kind of like the plant guy. And, you know, he was really great. He taught us so much about plants and, you know, the different types and, you know, which are the best for covering, you know, which are the best for nesting, which are the best for food. So he definitely gave me a lot of information. I have about six or seven pages worth of notes just on plants and all about plants from camp. And then after I left camp and I decided I want to make this a project, I just, I went on ahead and I did a little more research, um, mainly about, um, cover plants because when we were at camp, you know, we learned about, uh, a lot of obviously food plants, like, you know, in the feeding category and then a lot in the nesting category. But, um, I wanted to do a little more on, um, coverage that, you know, species that weren't so invasive and hard to take care of some of that are a little easier and, um, you know, aren't such a deterrent. So Brenda, that's, that's all fantastic. And, um, I'd love to talk to you more about that, but kind of in the interest of starting to wrap things up here. So are, what other types of outreach opportunities are you looking for, for those those programs. What else, I guess, is is ahead for you with regard to those particular programs, letting other people know about them, or your projects, I should say. And uh, yeah, and so then what's next relative to your book of accomplishments? Um, so currently, I'm, I'm getting another interview in a couple days with um, another channel. But I guess really the main thing is, um, I'm hoping the more I promote them, like if an organization or someone from a company sees this and says, hey, that would be a really cool subject to discuss on our channel or platform that they, you know, they feel free to reach out because I'm just, you know, all of my projects, um, you know, are near and dear to me. And it's really important that I'm able to talk about all of them and promote every single one of them, because I feel like each one has such an important message. You know, I, I often like say, I have a list so you can pick which one you feel like would be the most popular um, to talk about on your channel. But really just that trying to get out there and, you know, wanting other people to feel free to say, hey, do you want to come and talk about this? Because we think it's really cool. Well, I can I can feel 
pretty confident in saying that whatever you choose to do kind of going forward, even, and I'm talking farther in your life, whatever you choose to do, you're going to be successful at it because the initiative that you showed uh, and your your competence in talking about these subjects and, and, and pulling together material from all sorts of different places. And it's pretty impressive. I could never, I could never see myself doing that at, at your age. And so I do want to, I have heard one of the other things that I need to mention, I I did, I did kind of hear a rumor that going back to the, to the shooting at the camp that maybe you might have been one of the out, one, one of the high performers. Is that right? Um, that that's high praise. Uh, I wasn't on my, my best a game at camp. I, uh, my horse had pretty badly injured my right shoulder about two weeks before I went to camp. So it was, it was hurting. That's for sure. During the shooting times. But, um, I have to say the, the group I was in was consisted of five boys and they were really lovely. They were really supportive. You know, you would hit a clay and they'd be like, yeah, go Brenna. Yay. Um, so they were all really lovely, you know, and they were all like, we were all giving each other shooting advice. And, um, I have to say we had shooting instructors and they were amazing. They definitely helped me make really good adjustments to my shooting. So it was fun. That was definitely a fan favorite at camp with the shooting. I feel like you're being a, I feel like you're still being a bit modest. Mike, is, is she, is she being I'm modest? Not. She's modest. All right. She, she is, is, uh, I don't know what to say. She, <laughs> uh, she's a shooter and she's, she's a learner. She did very well. I'm proud of her. Well, very good. So let's talk about what's next for you kind of beyond Texas Brigades. You've, uh, Brenna, you mentioned that you want to go back as an instructor next summer, but where are you relative kind of the uh, secondary education? You're 17 years old right now, but I seem to recall that you, remind me, are you going to be ready for college next year or is it, are you still a year, uh, two years out for that? Yes, sir. So I'm actually taking all of my um, classes right now through my local community college. Um, And my plan is to get all of my um, credit hours through this community college, you know, and then once I get all of them, I'll probably um, transfer to my college of choice. And then when I transfer, I'll technically be graduating and you get an advanced plate diploma when you graduate because of all my hours. And then when I enter my college of choice, I'll be a sophomore. So I get to skip a whole year of college that usually most kids use to get all of their credits, which is really nice. All right. So you're just going to get a year. You're going to get ahead a year once you do enroll. Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, you told me this also, your college of choice right now, you were thinking of it being? A&M. You indicated to me earlier on the phone that you're thinking about uh, maybe taking a path towards a conservation officer. Is that, are you still thinking about that? Becoming a Texas game warden is a huge dream of mine. I really, that is a field I really am looking into quite seriously. Well, I think I also told you that don't be surprised if I try to recruit you to think more about the waterfowl and wetland ecology profession. So just got to keep, keep that in mind. But I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yeah, I'm quite confident that you will find some way throughout the rest of your life to be involved in natural resource natural resource conservation and stewardship of our fish and wildlife resources. So thank you for everything, Brenna, for bringing this message to us, for, for reaching out to us. This has been really cool. Uh, Mike, before I go, I want to give you an opportunity to, to make any final remarks. How can you listen to her and not find uh, the appreciation that, that, that we look for in 
and kissing. A kiss these days, uh, some of them cause their own problems, but people like Brenna, pretty darn inspiring to me. They keep me in line, and, and I'm so appreciative of of uh, what what these young people are doing and, and what they can do. Uh, I am confident that Brenna and so many others that I have met through this program, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be taking care of you and me when we get older. And I'm already older. Uh, and I'm, I'm inspired by that. I'm, I, I know that she'll be a huge success in her career, no matter where she goes and what she does. And uh, I, I'm pledged, so to speak, to, to continue what I do. This is, I've done it now for 25 plus years and uh, it, it resonates with my business. Um, and it, it's just it's so good to see people and hear people like her. Uh, so I'm inspired. I thank you, Brenna. It's been an, a great opportunity to reconnect with Brenna uh, outside the camp. I'm very confident that I'll see her at a camp next year at our camp, the Waterfowl Brigade. And uh, <laughs> it just is the kind of thing that makes you proud when you hear somebody like her and her excitement carry the carry the message. Uh, so, you know, you, you look at what's ahead, there's a lot ahead. And there's a, a lot of opportunities out there for, for other people to, to get involved at, at the same level she is. I'm very proud of that. Mike, can people outside of the state of Texas apply to the Texas Brigades? Most certainly. Uh, this this camp is, uh, or this, this whole series of camps is open to anyone from anywhere. Um, I'd say uh, we would welcome uh, to have cadets uh, from any state in the country um, as we, as we, move forward we sometimes you think about trying to find enough really qualified kids by the way they have to have a b average they've got to be like brenner they've got to be smart enough to get there it's not just you, you get to go and so sometimes it's not that we have limited people with that but you got to have uh, the right group of kids and they're selected and kids from out of state are most welcome we've had kids in louisiana and florida uh, that's most comes to mind first and uh, i'm sure there are kids from other states and we are wanting to replicate and would offer this uh, opportunity to other states. So any organization uh, outside of Texas that's similar to uh, to us and thinking we're we're here to help you start your own camp if you want. To. So you bet uh, this is this is free for everybody. Mike, thank you for everything that you've done with this over the years, over your 25 years and in being involved with Texas Brigades. And you're right. Talk to people and you see people. Like Brenna, it gives you a lot of hope. And we've talked to some other people on previous podcasts or previous episodes that fall into the same category. It gives you it gives you hope and it gives you feeling that, yeah, there's there's people coming behind us that are gonna help fill the shoes uh, and help carry for help carry forward conservation of our natural resources for for future generations. Brenna, you get the final word on this. Any closing remarks to Mike or or the audience in general? I just want to thank everyone on here, um, Ducks Unlimited, Texas Brigades, Mr. Mike, uh, both Mr. Mikes, I guess. Um, thank you for having me. And really, if you have a kid and they're, they love the outdoors, they're into hunting, fishing, anything, Texas Brigades is the place. I have met so many wonderful people and I've definitely met lifelong friends there. And it's an amazing program to get into. And whether or not you're a kid and you can attend camp, even going out and volunteering, um, it's an amazing program. And I'm forever grateful that they were introduced into my life. Mike, Brenna, thanks to both of you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for being part of the Ducks Unlimited podcast and for allowing us to be part of this important message. 
Thank you to both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Mike Petters and Brenna Malley. Both gave us very inspiring and, and informative uh, perspective on the Texas Brigades and all that it is doing to help train our next generation of conservationists. As always, we thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the great work that he does with these podcasts and getting them out to you. And then to you, the listeners, we thank you for your time spending it with us and for your support of wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.